Yes, it is that time. It is that time. It is that time. I have been waiting for you since Sunday. I hope you guys are excited like I'm excited. We are starting a brand new series on tonight, World War Me. And I pray that this message blesses you. Go ahead and share this. Let somebody know, listen, the word is on. You want to get a part of this message. Take your screenshot, tag us. Let us know where you are in the world. You guys are showing out from your small group Bible studies. I see y'all. I love you so much. And I just firmly believe that this word on tonight is spiritually nutritious. So I hope you guys are ready. I'm going to um, read just a short passage of scripture it's a, a familiar passage of scripture. Most of us heard it before, but I'm going to try to, to the best of my capability, break this down to the lowest common denominator. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're just going to read just two verses, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Somebody say that's the least you could do. God saying that's, that's like bare minimum. The least you could do is present your body to me as a living sacrifice. And do not be conformed to this world. Certain translations say to the patterns of this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by your preaching. Doesn't say that. But by your singing. Doesn't say that either. Um, by how good you can preach. It don't say that either. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Where we're going to launch uh, this new sermon series on tonight is verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Father, you're awesome. Thank you for this moment of time, moment in time. Thank you for allowing us to come together and dissect your word. We are in high expectation of what you're going to do. Touch our hearts. Speak to the hearts of your people. All the study means nothing, oh God, if you aren't magnified, if you aren't uplifted, if you aren't exalted. So we're asking, oh God, for you to have your way. And my typical requests allow me to be your PA system, the soundtrack of heaven. In Jesus' name, we pray Amen. So let's get to work. Do not be conformed. What does that mean? Do not traffic in camouflage. Don't have the nature of a chameleon or a gecko. I don't want you to adapt or blend in. If you're truly going to be one that stands out and you're going to be outstanding for the kingdom, this means there are a lot of invitations and a lot of things that you're going to have to stand out of. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Apostle Paul is letting us know in this particular epistle, it doesn't matter if you've been in church your whole life. 
It doesn't matter if you can quote all the books in the Bible, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. It doesn't matter if you have more degrees than a thermostat. It doesn't matter if you have a master's degree or a PhD in divinity. If you're trying to change and you feel as though you cannot change, it is tied to the fact that you have not took intentionality in renewing your mind. The only way you're going to have transformation is you have to have a new mindset. So I just think it's necessary for this new sermon series for us to launch part one. I believe I'll be guilty of ministerial malpractice. <laughs> ministerial malpractice if we didn't launch this series speaking around this thought from this subject, mind games. Mind games. Has anybody ever played mind games with you? Yeah, people played mind games with me. And don't lie, you saved now, but some of us have still played mind games. Coming all down your street, mind games. See, the devil loves to traffic in manipulation deceit, trickery. He loves mind games. And there's this condition. I don't know if y'all ever met anybody with this condition, but there's this, this um, um, individual condition that I'm noticing a lot of people have, and it is reversed victim confusion. <laughs> Reverse victim confusion. The disorder of when you wronged me, but you acting like you the victim. Why are you mad at me and you the one that cursed me out? How you going to get mad at me and um, we're the one that found out you were lying? <laughs> Reverse victim confusion. We found out something. You're the one that did something to me, but then you're acting like you're the one that's a victim. Or I don't know if y'all heard, there are a lot of infections, right? Ear infections are bad. Sinus infections are bad. But I don't know if you ever heard about this other infection. And a lot of us have had it since childhood. What about a projection infection? The illness of where how they see becomes your belief. They project their fears on you. You know why they're not endorsing you? You know why they're not supporting you? It's not because they don't believe in you. It's because they don't believe in themselves. They don't believe in themselves and they project that thought pattern on you. It's not that they hate you. It's that they don't like themselves. They hate themselves and they're projecting it on you. And the worst thing we could ever do is adjust to their projection. Listen, listen. Never confuse adjusting as healing. They are not the same thing. Just because you have adjusted to the dysfunction, just because you have adjusted to the abuse does not mean you're healed from it. You can sit in the dark, and eventually your eyes will adjust to the darkness, but that does not mean you have night vision. Never confuse adjusting as healing. For this particular message on tonight, you do not have the right to remain silent. I'm going to act like you're here with me in the sanctuary. I need everybody to say this as loud as you can. I want you to drop this comment in the room. I don't care what your neighbors think. If somebody's next to you, I want you to say this with a little stank on it, put a little gangster on it, a little hood on it, put a little attitude on it. Can I get everybody to say, move? No, no, no. You can't say it like that person may look at you crazy because you got your AirPods in and ain't nobody around you but a few people and you're worried about what they think. You can't say it like that. I want you to say it like you're trying to get to your favorite drive through restaurant. They stop serving breakfast at 11 a.m. It is 10.58 and somebody drive in front of you and they driving slow. Somebody put the comment in the room, move, move. 
Move. That's what heaven is trying to do. Move in the earth. That's what the kingdom of heaven is trying to do on the inside of us. It's trying to get us to become a moved people. That's what the Holy Spirit is longing for, for us to be a moved people. That was the purpose of the cross, so that we could be a moved people. That's the purpose of the gospel, so that we could be a moved people. That's the purpose of me being up here right now, grace to deliver this message. God wants us to be moved. He wants us to move from familiar to forward. He wants us to move from petty to being unbothered. He wants us to move from rebellion to repentance. He wants us to remove, move from death to life. He wants us to move from lost to found. He wants us to move from being distracted to being focused. God wants us to be a moved people because we can never have a movement unless we have first become moved. Somebody say moved. And what I'm trying to get somebody to understand on tonight is rather you like it or not, rather you're aware of it or not, you have been drafted in a war. Yes, ma'am. You, brother. Yes, sir. You have been drafted in a war. And this particular draft does not care and nor does it have any biases. It doesn't care if you're young. It doesn't care if you're old. It doesn't care if you're in Generation Z a millennial, baby boomer, or Generation X. It doesn't care. It doesn't care if you're a man. It does not care if you're a woman. It doesn't care if you're sold out. It doesn't care if you're on the fence. This particular warfare does not care. I'm talking about World War Me. And I think the church has done an excellent job with blaming the devil for stuff. Not saying that the devil doesn't have, a, you know, his hand in some stuff. We'll touch about that in a little bit in the message. But a lot of this stuff is not the devil. If my mic starts making a sound, somebody will say, oh, it's the devil. If you're watching this message live stream and it's buffering and I'm doing all that, you'll say it's the devil. <laughs> if there's some static coming through the speakers, somebody will say, oh, oh, it's the devil. I guess we forget that the devil is not omniscient. He's not omnipresent, nor is he all-knowing. The only person who can be everywhere at the same time is God, not the devil. The devil doesn't have that much power. The devil doesn't know what you're thinking. The devil doesn't know what you're going to do. The devil doesn't know the power of your purpose. The devil doesn't know. And so I've come to this place where I recognized, you know what my greatest enemy is? My inner me. Yeah, my inner me. That's, that's my enemy. I'm talking about that man that's staring me right back in my face every morning I wake up and I'm brushing my teeth. I'm talking about that woman who's looking right back in your eyes when you beating your face with the makeup. If you don't know what beating means, that's like a millennial and Generation Z terminology for like your makeup is nice. That woman staring right back at you while you're applying your, applying your makeup, that woman. That brother who's staring you down as you're shaving before you go to bed, that is your enemy, your inner me, that, that inner critic that keeps on causing for me to major in doubt, but minor in faith. That enemy, that, that enemy that keeps causing for me to major in all of my failures, all of my screw-ups, all of my shortcomings, but I keep on minoring in all my milestones. That enemy that, that inner me. You know why a lot of us don't have swift obedience? It's because we've allowed that enemy, we've allowed that inner critic to be our therapist. 
We've allowed that inner critic to be our therapist. So before we can obey God, we have to first book a session. What does my anxiety say about this first? What, what, what does my fear say about this first? I, I, I have to see what my worry says about this first. I, I have to see what my doubt says about this first. God, I know you told me to do this, but I have to first book a session. Have you allowed your inner critic to be your counselor instead of the Holy Spirit to be your wonderful counselor? And this is what I've discovered. And you're trying so hard to change. You're using willpower. But what I've discovered, many times a temporary fix will actually add more problems to the original problem. Because you're trying to change it on your own. Somebody say enemy. That enemy, that, that is that inner me. That, that, that mental bully. That mental bully that keeps beating us into submission. And it keeps me to subscribe. It keeps me subscribed to everybody else's criticism. That enemy, that, that inner critic, the person that keeps me from walking into what God has called me to walk into. We can't start a series talking about World War Me until we deal with our mindset, until we deal with our thought patterns. Until we address the way I think and the way I handle content, intel, and information, I got to address the way I think. That inner critic that keeps me entertaining stagnant people. What if I told you, let me switch the perspective. What if I told you that you didn't fall for him, but your insecurity tripped you? <laughs> I feel like that just hit somebody all in the chest and the back of your neck. Yeah, maybe... Maybe it wasn't that you fell for her, bro. Your low self-esteem tripped you. See, there's so much content about fatal attraction, but you know what I'm discovering? What makes a fatal attraction is not somebody who can't get over you and somebody who's crazy. Maybe the danger is when we're attracted to that which is fatal. Y'all don't want to talk tonight. Y'all said, oh, I can't wait. Oh, new series. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. I'm trying to get you to understand sometimes it is that inner critic that has us entertaining manipulators. And the crazy thing about manipulators, they try to convince you to be grateful for eating crumbs. They try to get you to be grateful for eating crumbs, but I'm trying to get somebody to understand on tonight that God did not cosmically create you to be a side chick. He did not cosmically create you to be a crumb snatcher. He did not cosmically create you to be a bottom feeder. God wants to take you to new heights. He wants to take you to new levels. He wants to take you to new realms. He wants to take you to another dimension. He wants you to come out into the deep. He wants you to know the unknown waters. He wants for you to grow. He wants for you to be strong, but I have to first address your head. I have to first address the way you think because be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're not a crumb snatcher. The psalmist says it this way. The Lord has prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Not crumbs, but he's prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemy. He blesses, he anoints my head with oil. And a lot of us, we're so caught up looking what everybody's doing at the table that we don't even recognize that this is our anointed place. Y'all miss what I just said. If he says, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies, I anoint your head with oil. We always think an enemy's a hater sitting across the table. An enemy's a person who always got something to say on my timeline across the table. What if your enemy is your doubts looking at you? 
at the table. Maybe it's not people. Maybe it's all the voices inside your head sitting at that table. Your doubt, your trauma, your inadequacies, what you can't do, what you don't think you could ever accomplish. But God is like, this is the place where I'm going to anoint you. But you got to let me deal with your head. Somebody say, move. I want us to understand this. Listen, it is dangerous when you cannot discern when it is time to shift. It is dangerous when you cannot discern when it's time to move. I would take it even further and say it's a threat to your assignment, to your destiny, to your calling. When you cannot identify when something has expired. Expired people, expired thought patterns, expired relationships. I don't know how many times I got to say it because when you cannot identify expiration dates, you end up consuming stuff that's spoiled. And you wonder why you're sick in your heart. You wonder why you're sick in your emotions. It's because you haven't recognized that this is no longer needed for your destiny. This is no longer needed for your calling. And here's the crazy thing. If you don't have discernment in this area, you'll stay in seasons longer than you have to. And you'll make that very thing that God was using to be a season for it to actually transition into being a state. I have to deal with your mind. I have to deal with your mindset. Some things we deal with are divinely set up. Other things are self-constructed. And an area that the enemy likes to slither in that most of us don't like to address is he likes to, sl he likes to slither in former enticements. Former enticements. Please hear me. Please hear me. The war is not just over your calling. The war is not just over your assignment. No, that war is also over your mind and over your appetite. As a man thinketh, so is he. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. What is that? Your appetite. And the enemy is so tricky where he recognized, okay, if I can't get them to go back to where they're at, maybe I could trap them where they are because no growth is no threat to me. And we're so caught up with our at least list. Y'all don't want to talk. You know what your at least list is, right? Well, at least I ain't get pregnant. <laughs> well, you know, uh, at least we didn't get pulled over. At least I didn't get drunk. At least I'm watching this new series. I watched a few of your little uh, Try Me series. I watched, at least I'm watching it. We're so caught up with our least list that it has blindfolded us to the reality that we don't even crave forward because we're so caught up consuming familiar. And I'm trying to get you to see you can never reach up and grab your upward calling while still holding on to your downward craving. It's, it's your mindset. As a man thinketh, so is he. The warfare is over your mind. And there's nothing more comical, to the, more comical to the enemy than for us to be Christians who are cool with being saved but powerless. The transformation must happen in your head first. Listen, your head, your mind is the epicenter of your life. Because you will always move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. God, this is good. You will always move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. As a man thinketh, so is he. Which means your life is constructed by how you think. Woo! Did you hear what I just said? Your life 
is constructed by how you think. How you handle information, content, intel. I'm talking about the way you think up scenarios. Some of us, your mind is a cinema, and you keep making up scenarios. Why y'all looking at me like that? Can y'all be real? Have you ever made up a scenario in your head, and you begin to get mad at that scenario, and it's not even true? What if I told you you're mislabeling bad days as bad thought patterns? <laughs> so you have a nasty attitude. Not because of what happened, but because of all the movie selections that you have in the cinema of your mind, all of the trailers that you have in the cinema of your mind. I'm going to go ahead and mess some of y'all up. Some of us have pre-planned clapbacks. <laughs> pre-planned arguments. Have you ever went to somebody mad because you already know what you're going to say and they hit you with, I apologize, I was wrong, I was just having a moment. And you still mad. Why? Because you're ready to fight. You ready to knock if he buck, boy, you ready to go. You got all your arguments, you got all your clapbacks, and they said, I apologize. <laughs> but you still mad, that vein's still throbbing in your neck. Why? Because the way you process information, the way you process content, you know why you're so tired? and your eyes keep twitching, it's not because you have insomnia. It's because you haven't learned how to turn your mind off. So at night, you stay up tossing and turning. You know why? Overthinking. This Ferris, Ferris go with this, this merry-go-round and this Ferris wheel of all these thoughts going around in your head is robbing your sleep. And the enemy doesn't even have to bother you because he knows you're going to think yourself to death. You're going to think yourself to death. You're going to think your way out of things because you don't know that the only way you could truly change. I would like to say this. Some of us are tired, about to give up on the faith, about to say all this Christianity stuff, all this Bible stuff, all this scripture, all this prayer, all this devotional, all this fasting, and it doesn't work. You know why? Because you're not seeing any fruit of it. And I'm trying to get you to understand the reason you're not seeing the fruit is because you're not focused on your head. You're focused on if I do this, if I do that, well, if I do this, if I do that, well, maybe if I do this, then God will do this. And if I listen to this, and if I do, you focus on all the stuff you got to do, but you haven't had a target on your mind. See, listen, you have to view your mind as soil. You have to view your mind as soil. In a minute, I'm going to show you all this, but look, you have to view your mind as soil, okay? The, the soil outside of this church right now, the soil outside of this church right now is neutral. Everybody say neutral. It doesn't matter if I plant a grass seed. It doesn't matter if I plant a mustard seed. It doesn't matter if I plant an apple seed. It doesn't matter if I plant an orange seed. The job of that soil outside is going to provide room and board for that seed and push the identity of that seed out. Did y'all hear what I just said? The job of soil is to provide room and board for a seed. A lot of us just looking at a seed, you don't know what it is. The only way you're going to know what it is is number one, if somebody told you, but then number two, once it has been planted, the job of soil is to provide room and board for that seed and to push that identity out. So now your mind is soil. 
So whatever seeds, God, I hope y'all getting this. Whatever seeds we allow to be planted in our mind, your mind's job is to provide room and board for that seed and to push the identity of that seed out. So if we have all these crazy seeds in here, we're going to see all these crazy mindsets and patterns out here. If we have all these lustful seeds in here, we're going to see all this lust being pushed out here. If we have all this fear in here, we're going to see all this fear out here if we have all of these doubts in here your mind is like soil so therefore you have to view people as gardeners oh lord you gotta view people as gardeners because whoever you talk to they planting seeds whatever you watching they planting seeds whatever music you jump uh, jamming out to they're planting seeds whatever you're doing is planting Seeds, and you wonder why you can't change. You wonder why you're stuck. You wonder why you don't see growth. And I'm trying to get you to understand, you're not being aware that the person you call in Bay is a gardener. The person that you call in Bhutan is a gardener. The person that you call in Pastor is a gardener. The person that you call in your girlfriend is a gardener. You weren't thinking that until you got off the phone with her. Seeds. Seeds, if you're going to do World War Me, you got to deal with this mindset. The way that you think, the way that you handle content, information, and intel, because your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thought. I don't think it's a coincidence out of all the places where God could have chose for him to make a public spectacle over the enemy. He chose a place called Golgotha, which in Aramaic is the place of the skull. Which God is saying, okay, the place where I'm going to be victorious is a place called the skull. I believe it's because God knows if you want to be victorious in your life, you're going to have to first be victorious in your head. And when Jesus gave his life, not when nobody took his life because no man takes his life. He lays his life down. And if he lays his life down, he's going to pick it right back up again. He has that savior swag. When Jesus gave up the ghost, the Bible says The veil of the temple was torn. So I no longer, I'm about to mess people up. I no longer need to go to a priest to repent. I no longer need to go to a pope to repent. I no longer need to get blood of bulls and goats because now Jesus has been the perfect sacrificial lamb and I now have access granted. The veil being torn means access has been granted. But it did not say it was torn from the bottom to the top. It said it was torn From the top to the bottom. Because the way you're going to have breakthrough is when things start to get torn in your mind, which will manifest in your life. When a baby is born, it is considered a breach if the baby tries to come out feet first. The doctor will keep turning the baby around because he wants the baby to come out head first. And what I'm trying to get somebody to understand is we want to keep going to a new level feet first. We want to keep going into relationships feet first. We want to keep going into a new realm feet first. We want to keep going into another dimension feet first and the reason it feels like your life keeps going in circles is because God keeps turning you around he's saying you're not going to go into this level feet first I don't believe in breach birth no open doors no open doors a breach is when there has been an access there is some way and somehow the enemy has broken through our boundaries I don't want the enemy to come in your life you're not going to be breached birth I want you to be birth right you got to come out head first And the only way you're going to fight this warfare appropriately 
I got to deal with this, this mindset. I got to deal with the way I think. So I, w- I want you guys to see this. Got like four heads up here. I want you guys to see. Move this out the way. Move you over here. All right. So let's have, we have one head. Probably should have bought a wig, but I didn't. Have another head. Let's bring you back some. All right. Then we're going to have, try to have four heads where you guys can see this. One more head. All right. And then we're going to get my last head right here. All right. Four heads. All right. You guys see this. Okay. Now look. This right here is going to be your intellect. This is going to be your imagination. This is going to be your memory. And this is going to be your will. Okay? So we have the intellect of the mind. We have the imagination of the mind. We have the memory of the mind. And we have the will of the mind. Okay? So let's break this down even more. All right. Your intellect is the library of your mind. Your imagination is the canvas of your mind. The will is the flash drive of your mind. Your your memory, excuse me, is the flash drive of your mind. And the will is the steering wheel of your life. Okay? So, how we get in trouble, your intellect is your library. So, you have to understand each part of the way we think is connected. So, if I store pornography... If I store pornography in my intellect, you know what that's going to do? It's going to affect my imagination. If I store filth here, porn here, it's going to affect my imagination and now I'm going to have fantasies. And now I'm going to want to do what I'm seeing behind the TV. I'm going to want to do what I'm seeing behind the screen because I keep imagining myself. And then once I imagine myself, then I have a will and I keep going back to the porn room. As soon as I wake up, I keep going to it. As soon as I get lonely, I keep going to it. And how did it start? It all started because right here, I kept putting it in my library. I kept putting it in my library, which affected my imagination We're not even dealing with memory yet, which then is affecting my will. So let's say if I have unforgiveness here. Oh, if I have unforgiveness in the library of my mind, you know what that's going to do? Every time somebody new comes in my life, my imagination is going to make me think that they're going to do the same thing. Because I have unforgiveness here. I have bitterness here. So I imagine they're going to treat me just like my past did. I imagine that they're going to take me right back to the pain. So I can't receive love because I keep on holding on to yesterday's wounds. So now this is connected. I keep imagining them hurting me. I keep imagining them lying to me because I haven't let go of the bitterness. Now my memory keeps on thinking all all men are dogs, all men are the same. But truth is, all the men you slept with were the same. Ooh. Truth is, all the men you slept with were the same. Yeah, different man, different name, but really the same type of character. And I keep on having this being tormented because I haven't forgiven them. Don't you recognize that forgiveness frees your mind? 
It frees your mindset. Me holding on to what they did and how they lied to me, it's affecting my imagination, and I can't receive love. And that, ev- that emotional abuse has, ca- has caused me to have a distorted view. I don't believe the devil has a problem if you see. I just believe he wants us to have a distorted view. Yeah, you can look at God as long as it's distorted. You can try to receive love as long as it's distorted. I don't care what you see as long as you don't see it in HD. As long as you don't see it in HD, I want you to see a distorted, pixelated view of love, a distorted, cultural view of love, so that your whole life, you constantly keep on wondering, is God going to send me him? Is God going to send me this blessing? But you can't even receive it because you haven't let go of the bitterness and your memory keeps on taking you down memory lane. So I have all this pain in my life because of all the stuff I keep putting in my intellect. And what I'm trying to get you to see is if you begin to put the word of God here, listen, if you begin to put sermons here, if you begin to put the word of God here, if you begin to put devotions here, if you begin to watch your gardeners and surround yourself with people who provide you a kingdom health here, oh, you're going to start imagining yourself free. You're going to start imagining yourself whole. You're going to start imagining yourself at a whole nother level. And so check it. Look at this. The will of your life is going to start to do the will of God. So now he can give you the desires after your heart because your desires are after his desires and your will is to do his will. And all that started because I'm putting all of the word of God in my intellect. If I don't put it here, I'll never experience it in my will. And a lot of us keep wondering, why do I keep willing to do wrong? I'm telling you, starting with what you're putting in your library. Why am I not changing? What are you putting in your library? Are your friends conducive for where you want your will to turn? But let's have a conversation. Let's say you're pouring the word of God here. You're storing the word of God here. You're listening to sermons. You're listening to worship. You're checking out the World War Me series, Shameless Plug. You're doing all of this, but guess what? Your memory is not saved. So let's go ahead and move these bad boys out the way. <laughs> Your memory is not saved, all right? You can go on, female. Your memory is not saved. So what the enemy wants to do, he wants to take your memory on a date. Mm. Yeah, you remember uh, last winter? You had a boot thing. It's almost fall. You don't have nobody now. What you going to do? I believe the enemy circles around your memory, and he starts creating stuff like share your memories. Y'all ever seen those? <laughs> share your memories so that I could look back on all the stuff you used to do. Look at all the places you used to go. Ain't nobody talking to you no more. Your phone dry. Your phone never been so dry you playing with the settings. <laughs> <laughs> you just listen to ringtones. You just you have nothing. Your phone is dry. So dry that you're playing with the settings. And the enemy is constantly trying to mess with your memory. So let me let me show you what I think happens. All right. It's like, okay. If I can't get them, if I can't get them to go back, maybe I could keep bringing people of their past back. You ever had that? Maybe if I keep on bringing people from their former life back in their life. How in the world you haven't heard from this dude since 2015? All of a sudden, COVID hit. You want to talk? <laughs> you, you, you act like you know me now? I haven't heard from you since high school. I believe the enemy is like, okay, you trying to be saved now? 
I'm going to mess with their mindset. And so what he tries to do is he has his fiery darts come in, messes with your mindset, and I want to infect their mind. God don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to have a fiery dart of doubt. I'm going to have a fiery dart of insecurity. I'm going to have a fiery dart of loneliness because when you know you're lonely, you'll entertain people that you wouldn't even entertain. If you, when you're lonely, you start making choices that you wouldn't even make if you were staying in the will of God and you begin to put your hands to your purpose. So, okay, I'm going to infect them with doubt. I'm going to have that inner critic lie. We're going to give you two fiery darts. You know, the enemy just really like playing with that inner critic. Oh, and that childhood trauma, your daddy haven't hit you up in six years. This Thanksgiving, I'm going to have him text you, can we meet? Yeah, I'm going to try to keep on putting all this stuff in your head, all this stuff in your mind. And you're wondering why you can't change. Look at all the fiery darts the enemy keeps firing in your life, firing in your mind. And here's the thing, now you're trying to be birthed to another realm, you can't even fit down the birth canal. You can't even fit down the birth canal because you have all these darts in your head. All these things in your head, and you're wondering why I can't change. So you might, you might be listening to this message. You're like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but how, how do I renew my mind? I'm going to give you some points, all right? Number one, the first thing you're going to have to do is mental detox. This is the part you don't like. This is the part you're not going to like me. If I'm going to mental detox, I have to understand whatever I eat in private, I'm going to wear in public. If I'm going to mental detox, I have to identify the toxin. What if I told you that one of the toxins in your mindset is your music? You still listen to 90s R&B. You're talking about, okay, I'm trying to be pure, but you still listen to genuine. How you still listen to genuine? My pony. Listen, you're not going to be God and listen to genuine? <laughs> you're like, I'm struggling. You're listening to 90s R&B. Maybe if you take out that music. That's just one thing that can help your mind be free. Identify your toxins. What about your favorite TV shows? You trying to get over pornography, bro, but you watching Power. You know they got nudity in it. It's not about legalism. It's about I'm detoxing. Maybe there's some music I got to get rid of. Maybe there's, there's some TV shows I have to get rid of. About to mess you up. Maybe there's some atmospheres. Maybe you don't recognize how strong you are, but you keep putting yourself in toxic atmospheres. A shark is a beast. I'm never, listen, I love fishing, but I don't get in the water. I'm not gonna be, you're never gonna see Jerry as one of those people. Somebody survived a shark attack that I'm never gonna be bitten by a shark. But here's the thing you put a shark on land, oh, you're not as strong, huh? Why? Because it's not in this atmosphere. I want you to view your flesh, your lust, as a shark. It's a beast if you put it in the right atmosphere. But if you take it out and let it dry and you starve it, it can't affect you. Toxin. What in my life is keeping me from going? I have to have a mental detox. I have to cleanse. When we fast, I say we got to get everything out the house. No Oreos, we got to get it out the house because I'm not strong enough. I need this out the house. And a lot of us, you keep lying to yourself and talking about you're strong enough. You're not. Your flesh will embarrass you. You're not that strong, bro. The flesh is a mess. Never trust your flesh. It will embarrass you. Somebody say mental detox. Okay. 
Next thing you're going to have to do, number two, trigger awareness. All right, let me break this down. A trigger is anything that prompts a return. Okay, trigger awareness. What in my life will prompt me to go back? A trigger is anything that prompts me to go back. And please understand this. Missing them does not mean return. I'll clap for myself. People be tagging me all the time. I almost threw my phone. Listen, I'm throwing it for you. Missing them does not mean return. It is very possible for you to miss that which is toxic. But your mind hasn't added up, hasn't met up with your spirit. Your spirit knows that this is not good for you. But your mind hasn't got there yet. Trigger awareness. Now, you got to understand there's a difference between triggers and PTSD. PTSD, post-traumatic stress, is when you are engaging in something that actually recreates the event that you're trying to get over. And a lot of people say, nah, man, I'm cool. I'm just creating boundaries. No, you're not. You're just putting yourself in isolation. Isolation is our attempt to hide the bleeding of trauma. It's our attempt to hide the bleeding of trauma. You're not just cutting everybody off. You hurt. You hurt, and you're trying to hide it from everybody else. I want us to understand this. Many times, triggers are the driveway to PTSD. And if I don't understand what makes me trigger, what makes me click, and you got to be real with yourself. When are the times, what are the times when you're most tempted to watch something filthy? What are the times when you're most tempted to reach out to the ex? Identify the times. Sometimes it's when you're tired. I firmly believe this is why most parties turn up at 11 o'clock. Because when the sun goes down, there's just something about our body. We just don't, we don't think right. The music is loud. There's alcohol there. Don't add weed and substances. You're not thinking right. You wake up in the morning and do something that you regret because you're in an atmosphere that did not allow you to be sober-minded. Trigger awareness. All right? Now, I'm going to be real with you. Number three, relapse prevention. Prepare. What are you going to do if that ex does come back? What are you going to do if, that, if your father actually does reach out to you? You got to understand this. Bitterness just contaminates the container. Bitterness just contaminates the container. So I have to let some stuff go. And I'm going to go ahead and tell some people might disagree with this, but I'm going to break this down for you. Spiritual wisdom without practical reinforcement are the ingredients for relapse. Okay? Spiritual wisdom without practical reinforcement are the ingredients for relapse. So I'm saying, listen, pray, read the word, and run three miles. <laughs> I got, see, I can't have my life filled with just spiritual wisdom and no recreational activity too. I got to do something as well that's not sinful, but it lets me have fun. I like to fish. I like to go to the gun range. It's okay. I'll read the Bible. I'll pray. i see God's face. But I got to do something that also pleases myself that's not sinful. Okay? So now listen. Online services, they help us. Subscribing to all the videos, they help. But I got to do something that does not cause me to be bored. Christianity in the Bible, biblical Christianity is not boring. It's not. Them boys had adventure. They were doing tours and mission trips all over the world. Biblical Christianity is not born. Therefore, many times, the lack of calling engagement and recreation is having us say we're lonely. The fact that I'm not engaged in my calling, 
and I have nothing recreational, is causing for me to be bored and causing for me to entertain things that keep my mind filled with fiery darts. All right? Last one, my favorite, stay loaded. Stay loaded. You got to stay loaded with the word of God. Look at this. Psalms chapter 1. Most of us know this. Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates sometimes when he feels like it. When everything's okay, it says day and night. So it's saying, listen, I need you to stay loaded, bruh. I need you to keep your faith barrel loaded. All 16 bullets, I'm loaded. Why? Let's look how Jesus handled this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, he's attacking, God's, he's attacking Jesus' identity, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said to him, it is written. What is that? Jesus is loaded. He's coming to him, attacking his identity. Jesus is loaded. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into a holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Now look at the devil using Bible. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again. Are you seeing this? Jesus is loaded with the word of God. Do you have enough word in your heart to fight temptation? I'm trying to give you, we don't have, now we got lyrics in here. We got Beyonce's lyrics in here. We got Drake's lyrics in here. Uh-oh, we got all of these lyrics in here. You can quote songs if I drop the beats. We have all this stuff in here, but do you have the word, in God, word of God in here? How about for your memory? Why don't you start memorizing scripture? I got to be loaded. I got to have something to fight back when I'm tempted. This is what helped me in college. When women were coming my way and I wanted to go to the club and I wanted to do things, I remembered now, flee all youthful lust. But don't just flee, but pursue righteousness, but pursue goodness. A lot of us are fleeing, but we're not pursuing nothing. And we wonder why we can't break free. Jesus said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him upon an exceedingly high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with me, Satan. Away with you, for it is written. Last thing I want to say. Jesus was loaded. He knew the word of God. I believe a lot of us don't understand this. This method in our mind. We have automatic thoughts, filtered thoughts, and core beliefs. And the reason we never could change our life is because we don't have a core belief. See, your filter thoughts is the war between your core beliefs and your automatic beliefs. So if, if, if all I do is succumb to fear, if all I do is succumb to doubt, but I don't have any core belief, God has not given me the spirit of fear. Look to the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, but yet your heavenly Father provides for them. If I don't have any core belief, I'll have nothing to filter that thought through. And a lot of us, the reason we keep giving in to the automatic thoughts is you have no core beliefs. Jesus was loaded with the word of God. I said, look, before we get started and dive in this series, I want you to know that you'll never be able to have a changed life without a changed mind. Because your life moves in the direction 
of your most dominant thoughts. And God is saying, if you want to change, you got to let me take out all the mindsets, all the pain, and all the negative influence, influences that the enemy has put in your head. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. So, Father God, we pray. Help us to understand and let the mind that is in Christ Jesus also be in us. You told us in your word, whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is noble, whatever is of good report, let us think on these things. God, help us to understand. Help us to understand that victory has to happen in our head first. So many of us are so frustrated because we're trying so hard to change. We're trying so hard to become a new person. And I pray that this message, oh God, is like a Mike Tyson uppercut to your people. And they'll understand you cannot change and you cannot be transformed without a renewed mind. Give us the strength to detox. Give us the wisdom to have trigger awareness. God, give us the strength to be able to stay loaded and identify anything and everything in our life that goes against you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.